So we've been hearing a little bit about a wish to be more grounded in the practice. And of course, we've been looking at the hindrances. So today we'll be talking about overcoming restlessness. And I think we'll start with some meditation. Because after all, um, these hindrances are the, as we all know, the big barriers to that groundedness and the stillness that we all very much want. But sometimes we don't know how to address the things that are happening in our life or the things that are happening in our minds or those habits that have been um, coming along with us for all of our life or maybe for lifetimes. And as some people mentioned, coming together, even though we're online, can be a big help in being able to direct the mind and stick with that, that point of focus, that um, object of meditation, that encouragement, doing it together. So let's start by really getting a sense of how the body is doing. And the great Thai masters are very focused on contemplation of the body, feeling what's happening in the body, how its posture is and how it's working and and the nature of the body being such that we're never well almost never completely comfortable in it there's likely to be some some part that feels a little uncomfortable or maybe we have to deal with a pretty significant amount of discomfort sometimes So we, we bring our attention to it, to whatever that body is feeling. And we can make adjustments to our posture in the beginning here before we actually settle the mind and do what we can to help the body feel stable and tranquil. We use the breath as a meditation object. We can also follow the breath as it goes into the body and spreads through the body. And this can be a very helpful grounding mechanism. And when we exhale, we can let go of some tension, that, in, that intention in the mind to calm the body when we breathe in and to let go of any tension or stress as we breathe out can really help bring some relaxation, some ease, some joy.
And sometimes the meditation instructions are to not immediately start using the breath. You have to see what actually works for you. For myself, I immediately go to the breath because that's how my mind has been trained to become calm, to become happy, content, focused. Bringing my attention to the breath helps to let go of all of the other distractions. But if that's not your experience, then you may want to give it a bit more time. Letting the breath come to you is one way to think of it. This is a process of becoming still. Of setting aside whatever might be agitating, distracting, impinging, and to really Allow a spaciousness to occur in mind and a softness, um, fullness, peacefulness, tranquility to come to the body. You can gently but firmly attend to each in-breath and each out-breath. And also be aware of your whole body. Notice any pleasant feelings arising in the body.
Maybe some of them are quite subtle, natural result of becoming mindful. And that is what we're doing. We're establishing mindfulness. Being present and aware of the breath, of the body. And calming the body. When we become calm, we automatically, automatically feel pleasant feelings. And the Buddha encourages us to notice those pleasant feelings because that will help them expand, grow, become more prominent. And you can also notice a sense of groundedness, perhaps. It comes with being attentive to each in-breath and out-breath. And that's really our anchor. Helps hold us steady. And this is a good point at which to spend considerable time letting those pleasant feelings build, maintaining that awareness and attention on the breath. Right now in this meditation, we'll turn our attention to the mind at this point. Noticing any activity in the mind. And just having a kind and gentle attitude towards that activity of the mind. No blame or criticism there, just awareness. And an invitation for the mind to become more settled, 
for that activity to die down, to relax. Ideally, um, ideally, the mind becomes more and more quiet, more and more still. Carefully, attentively, happily aware of each in-breath and out-breath. Aware of the state of the mind. Ideally, the body is so tranquil that you don't even notice. It feels very light. And of course, this isn't always what happens in meditation. And when this is not the situation we find ourselves in, then we bring kindness and generosity and determination and skill to addressing those hindrances. so that they won't plague us and interrupt our opportunity 
to enjoy the meditation and to open up to wisdom. When the hindrances are dissolved or absent, then we really develop the seven factors of enlightenment. Those enlightenment factors naturally begin to develop or continue to develop and come to fruition. And the meditation becomes so peaceful, so beautiful. And we would like to stay with it for a long time. And the process of meditation itself takes over and we don't have to do anything. Just observe and enjoy.
So welcome back. I'm gonna say a few words about restlessness and then we can share our stories and our questions and comments. The hindrance of restlessness in the Pali is Udicca and the remorse part. So it's two words together. Udicca, Kukucha. Kukucha is the remorse or worry part. So, of course, restlessness, like all the other restlessness and remorse or worry or regret, sometimes it's translated as. Um, like the other hindrances, weakened wisdom prevent us from really getting still and grounded and being happy. And as with the other hindrances we've looked at, we want to look at how they show up in our life um, off the cushion. And as well as when we meditate, because what we're doing in our non-meditating time is has a big impact on what happens when we sit down to meditate. So restlessness, uh, I think, is an incredible, um, incredibly common experience. And I personally feel like it's getting harder. Uh, to avoid and I think uh, a lot of it has to do with having so much stimulation in our life so we have a lot going on many of us and we have a lot of input from media we've got right at the fingertips we can see the whole world and that's a pretty different experience than say um, back in agrarian society where all you really were impacted by was what was happening in your own village or maybe even in your family. And of course, that's enough. Restlessness didn't start with the uh, modern age of technology. <laughs> um, it was happening forever for human beings because there's always so much to look after just to maintain life. However, we want to be even a little more meticulous, I think, or at least pay attention to how what we see, hear, taste, touch, smell, etc., affects our level of restlessness in the mind. And it's, of course, it, Reality, the reality is that we're never going to um, be able to be completely comfortable or completely um, without things to worry about or think about or have to do. So we have to train ourselves in putting things down and to some degree in being able to endure a certain amount of physical discomfort, for example. Or even, you know, we may have some problem we want to solve or need to solve and learning how to set it down for the time that we meditate. And it actually helps a lot to practice setting it down for times when we are just going for a walk or doing other things. If we're doing a task uh, that doesn't really require much thinking, maybe we can put down the thinking 
um, and do less multitasking. And so it's part of part of what motivates us to try to calm our mind in our daily life is when we really see what a toll it takes on us to have so much stress and constant activity in the mind. Um, I think I've shared with you before, Ajahn Ganha talked about the necessity to quiet the mind, to, to not have it working all the time. And he said, it's like an airplane that, that can't land and it's gonna crash. <laughs> Eventually it'll crash. So to try to consciously, intentionally land the plane for some period of time, even when we're not meditating, it's a great way to train ourselves to be able to become still when we intend to become still. And of course, that's not always easy, even if even with some training. So we need to take some, maybe take some time to look at what are the things that are actually contributing to this restlessness. And, you know, sometimes we can be, um, you know, worried, like I said, worried about things. We might be, um, you know, bringing input stimulation into the mind that we don't have to have there. You know, whether that's movies or music or whatever, if it's something that actually uplifts and calms the mind, that can be really helpful, of course, but there are a lot of things that are just very agitating and those images stay in the mind or those sounds stay in the mind and keep the mind you know, kind of revving up. Being over-energized, um, overly excited. When we come to the regret and worry part, then there's this, there can be a habit of going over unpleasant memories or putting a lot of tension, attention on the stories we have. You know, like, this is what happened. Um, you know, being more caught up in the content than we are in how our feeling is in it. And, and I think, Many of you probably know that a, a very productive way of dealing with our felt experience or, or you know, what causes us to be so agitated or upset or sad or afraid has to do with the way we think. And we, we think and we act a lot of times out of how we feel. So when we come back to what the feeling is, regardless of what the presenting cause or proximal cause has been, when we deal with the feeling directly, we can actually bring a sense of peace and calm even to that process. We can sit with something that we feel really hurt by or angry about and actually have an aspect of the mind that observes be calm and present and caring, which is an interesting experience 
like we really we really do see like subject and object there and when those feelings are held as an object to ourselves we can then work through them understand better the underlying cause maybe a misconception of reality or a misplacement of priorities because we're really living this life with the goal of awakening and with the intention to do good in the world. And when we lose sight of that, then we can really get caught up in things that lead us downwards, emotionally, psychologically, or even with our actions. So this is pretty important. And restlessness itself is such a um, persistent, force that the buddha said it doesn't completely get resolved until we're fully awakened until we're arahants because it just kind of you know it's on a very subtle level perhaps keeps us moving mentally internally so we really we really benefit a lot from paying attention to this uh, restlessness and remorse and digging out, okay, what's really behind it for me? Why can't I become still? And let the meditation process kind of take over and carry me. Um, and then, you know, once we do what we can to adjust the, the, in, the stimulation and input and the activities and mental patterns in our life, and then continue to examine, you know, how this plays out in our practice. So one of the things that we see in some of the suttas is advice uh, to who are, you know, now famous arahants <laughs> uh, when they weren't arahants yet. And uh, one sutta that talks about this is um, with Anuruddha. And this, you can find this in, um, let's see, yes, you can find this in the Anguttara Nikaya, in the Book of Threes, and it's number 130. And what's happening here is, um, you may have, you know, those of you who study the suttas, you, you know about Anuruddha, he was the Buddhist cousin. He, he became an incredibly powerful um, meditator with great um, psychic powers and uh, depth of meditation and he b before he became an arahant he went to venerable sariputta and he said that you know i have this clairvoyance this um, psychic power to be able to survey 10 the ten thousand fold world system or another translation is like he can survey the entire galaxy. So this is one of the powers that's described that can happen when people develop meditation. And now that we have a telescope that can show us the vastness of the, um, well, I don't even know if it can show us the whole vastness, but we're seeing kind of the in, incredible expanse of what's beyond our own, our own system here. 
it was pretty amazing that the mind can take all that in um, as it's developed sometimes. And so he says, I can, I can survey the entire galaxy and my energy is really uh, roused up and, and unflagging. My mindfulness is established and lucid. My body is tranquil and undisturbed and my mind is immersed in samadhi. And yet I'm not enlightened. I still have defilements. Why is that? And the Venerable Sariputta says, Sam, when you say you have this psychic power to, you know, observe the, the whole galaxy or the 10,000-fold world system, there's conceit there. And when you talk about how your energy is so strong and unflagging and your mindfulness is established, your body's tranquil and you're immersed in samadhi, there's restlessness there. And, and when you say, but my mind's not yet free from the defilements, there's remorse there. And you say, it would be good if you gave up those things, those three things. And instead, focus on, instead of focusing on that, apply your mind to the deathless. So it's, it, he doesn't give like, oh, this is how you deal with conceit. This is how you deal with restlessness. This is how you deal with remorse. He's like, you just turn towards the deathless. Now, that can be a little, like, how do you do that? <laughs> but we find that... Um, in another sutta, or in a, a few other suttas, and one where the Buddha is talking to Ananda, and uh, that one is um, Anguttara Nikaya 3, so the numerical discourse is 3, number 32. And in that one, the Ananda comes to the Buddha and he says, is it possible that a meditator can have such a state of immersion, such a state of samadhi, that you wouldn't have the ego, no eye-making, as one translation is, or wouldn't have possessiveness, you wouldn't think of anything as mine, and the underlying tendency to conceit would be gone. And that he would, with with no, with none of those, you could enter and dwell in the full liberation of mind, the liberation of wisdom. And the Buddha says, yeah, that's possible. And Ananda goes, well, how? How do you do it? And the Buddha said, turn your mind to the deathless, basically. This is peaceful, this is sublime. That is the stilling of all activities, the relinquishing of all acquisitions, the destruction of craving, dispassion, cessation, nirvana. So this is, this is like 
turning away from all of this and putting the mind on what is sublime, peaceful, and letting go of all those activities and all of those problems we want to solve, relinquishing the sense of ownership of everything, including the khandas, and noticing the sort of fading away or destruction of craving. Becoming dispassionate, the cessation of, of all impingement and the peacefulness of Nirvana. And then at the end of that one, there's this little verse the Buddha says, this is why I said in the Parayana, so this is, in, that's in the Suttanapada, having comprehended the highs and lows in the world, one is not perturbed by anything in the world, peaceful, fumeless, untroubled, wishless, they have then, I say, crossed over birth and old age. So I think this is a valuable contemplation and just to see where it takes you when you sense the restlessness or the worry. Now, something more to say about worry or regret is that when you, when you, see, in the, you see this in the suttas, and a number of you have studied this um, before, where someone is ill and very sick, probably dying, and the Buddha goes to see them. And one of the questions he'll ask is, do you have any regrets or remorse? And they'll say, yes. This happens in a few places in, in the suttas. And the Buddha says, well, is any of that based on ethical misconduct? And they say, no. And then whatever it is they come what whatever it is that's causing this regret or remorse, like in one place, this monk says, it's just been such a long time since I was able to come to see you that I regret that. And then the Buddha's like, why would you want to see this like rotting body of mine? You know, <laughs> all you have to do is see the Dhamma, you know, and in, in another case, um, the person is like, now that I'm, I'm, suffering so much this way i can't go into deep samadhi anymore and i feel like i'm losing you know what i had in the past in terms of the practice and then the buddha gives comfort him and says no you're not losing you're not losing anything it's like for some people they equate the um success of the holy life with the depths of samadhi but that's not really the success of the holy life you know and he and and even there's a there's a place where the Buddha talks about the um, the qualities and skills that a person should have in order to be a preceptor or in order to be someone that others will take dependence upon, and one of the qualities is the ability to to calm their regret 
and remorse to, to help um, dispel it. And so I think for us, when we have regret or remorse, we need to learn how to have that skill for ourselves, how to calm it ourselves, how to take a different view and really see the bigger picture around those things that we might regret. You know, what are the causes, the conditions that led us to whatever action we took and learning from it, not doing that, making that same, I just don't wanna call it a mistake, but it probably is a mistake, you know, but, you know, not doing that same thing again, but for so much of the stuff that we regret, it really isn't, worth regretting you know it's part of the experience of living a human life we we can bring more kindness and compassion to it and we would gladly do it for someone else you know we could be that dispeller of regret for another person but can we really do that for ourselves so that we can live peacefully and happily. And then we sit down for meditation and those uh, depths of calm are much more accessible. So this is what I'd like to say about it. I'm interested in hearing what you think or what I might've missed <laughs> or questions. I know this is really a challenging hindrance, but I also have the complete confidence that we can make progress with it and let it go. Sounds like your talk was so effective that we've all let go of a lot of our, well, tell me this, tell me that. So, thank you. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Minds blown, stunned into samadhi. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to um, go ahead. Is can you see me? Can you hear me right now? Yes. Yeah. Can they? Can you hear Sarina? Hi. Yes. Okay. <laughs> they can hear you. So um, I think that 
but you both know, but yesterday my experience um, <laughs> uh, who really let me reflect about restlessness. Um, so yesterday I had the two scariest hours of my life and I've been in more dangerous situations where I actually thought I was going to die. <laughs> so, and it's expectable from a Mexican who has never seen snow. <laughs> so I was in my kuti like before, a little bit before 3 a.m. and I started hearing, I, I heard a big tree falling near my kuti and then something was coming closer and I hit it. And then I started to hear, like I kept hearing um trunks all over the place um ah. <laughs> okay. hi so uh, it was very distressing i couldn't really go back to sleep um and i kept hearing and hearing and i was like okay anytime what will happen like if a big tree falls and you know crashes the cutie and will crash me too with it so i was like okay um, I was super scared, <laughs> super restless. And I think the three things that brought the most distress or that are and are some of the outcomes from that experience, um, because it was like two hours trying to meditate and it was not real meditation. It was like, okay, like if I'm gonna die, like may I die? at least trying to practice a little bit, like, you know, like bringing out like good stuff or, okay, I'm, I'm living a good life. I've been living a good life, like, you know, those things that I normally don't think about because I'm 22 and I'm like, yeah, you know, it, it kind of sounded like distant, the topic of that. Um, but then I think like the three outcomes were like, first, like how betrayed I felt by the body because it's like through the senses you know what we think what we taste what we see what you know how we can get all that ha cheap happiness cheap kind of happiness and in a way it's a lot of distress to the mind you know the stimulation and I was like yeah the body is such a betrayer because now it can just like my tongue my eyes my nose can be crushed by a big tree and you know all the time I invested in in looking for that stimulation and that happiness is gonna go. Um, so I was like, yeah, yeah, you know? And then like thinking about the past, like, oh, like what if I did something wrong? And, um, you know, I go to a, a destination that and we'll have some troubles, my next river. And I was like, okay, this is the out, you know, the outcome of being stuck in the past. And I was like, oh, and I also missed a lot of time thinking about my future <laughs> because it's what, um, as a recently ex-college student, they condition you to think about, you no, know, like your future, your work, your whatever, whatever. And he's like, I missed so much time because I can die right now. And then nothing, <laughs> nothing of that really happened. So, I mean, I think those three things, like they trying to look for happiness that comes from the senses thinking about the past and thinking about the future like those were the things that kept me really restless and I was like yeah I know if I die right now I'm gonna die with fear but at least let me die with a little bit of drama in my mind like <laughs> and it was five 
and I, I didn't see the time. It was the two most, the, the two fastest hours uh, in my life. And then a big thing fell again and it was rolling and coming. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and it hit the cutting hard enough to shook it. Like it shook it. And I was like, okay, anything else can fall. But then I saw a light outside my kuti and it was Ayas. <laughs> and I was like, it's dangerous. She was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> so she saved me. <laughs> but it was, I, I was like, how is it that it's already 5 a.m.? It was very intense. But now we are safe. We are okay. But I think I needed to have that experience. <laughs> I've been in worse situations, but I never feel that scared. <laughs> That's the. <laughs> By the way, the cootie's okay. The the trees that hit were small. The trees that hit were small. It's yeah. Okay. <laughs> it just sounds loud and scary. I'm just Mexican. No, it sounds it's scary. Probably yeah, it shake it, scary. you know, because it's boom. But they were small. Nothing's wrong with the cootie either. She's okay. She's okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Thank you, Sarana. <laughs> yeah, I was, as I was heading out to her kuti, it was still dark, um, but I thought, oh, she's probably awake by now. I think I'll, <laughs> she would have been happy if I had showed up two hours earlier, I'm sure. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, how many times in life do we kind of take chances? I, it was definitely taking a chance to walk back and forth because of the, trees falling I swear there were more uh, trees down on the road after on our way back than there were on the way up and um, you know but we take chances all the time we get in the car you know it's like and uh, yeah we, we were fine karma sometimes protects us too so it's okay Linda Yeah. Okay. So I, I think I already know that a lot of my restlessness does have to do with overstimulation and just um, trying to look after too many things. And I've, there are times when I'm pretty successful in, in um, putting some of it down. And when I do, I do notice the difference but I always seem to get sucked back in. And um, hopefully at least now I'm, I catch it faster and I, I um, pull back a little bit, but I, I still have a, a pretty, a long way to go <laughs> on this restlessness thing. And the other thing though, that I notice is whenever there's a, a talk about restlessness and, and I think of it as restlessness and worry and restlessness and remorse, my my worry isn't really generally have much to do with the past. It's about the future. And I'm always trying to plan things out and control, not only for myself, but I'm trying to I'm trying to fix things for other people that didn't even ask for my help. And and um <laughs> And of course, you know, I, I catch myself doing that, um, but it is so ingrained in me. Um, 
So I was wondering if you might say a few words about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, we can take Anagarka Sarna's story, I think, and, and look at like, what, well, the time we waste. What about all the time we waste thinking about the future and worrying about things that will never happen? And one practice that I, I know sometimes when I say this at a retreat or something, people kind of laugh, but the Buddha wasn't kidding. There is a practice of just, you know, the night at night before you go to sleep, think this could be my last night. There are all these things that could happen tonight to, to, to cause me to die. A tree could fall on your booty. <laughs> you never know. And, um, and then in the morning, when you wake up, you think about all the things that could cause you to die today. And of course, if that becomes something that brings up fear and, and um, trepidation, that's not the right way of reflecting on it. But if we think about it as, you know, really, the time I have is right now. Do I really want to spend this moment right now planning for something that's not likely to ever happen? Or what am I planning to protect? I'm trying to protect things that are falling apart anyway. You know, none of my plans how to protect wealth or health or any, you know, any of the loved ones in my life. None of that's going to be foolproof. And that's probably why we're scrambling so hard to try to find every possible way to put every possible available protection in place. But we really need to look at that. Look at it deeply. So that we so that we let go. It it the whole practice, the whole thing is about letting go, letting go of possessions, letting go of you know safety. Because there isn't any. I mean, you still do the practical things that make sense. But if we think like this, if we reflect like this, not only are we likely to waste less time and become be, you know be less pulled in to worries, but we're also likely to have insight arise that really brings about the clarity that doesn't get reversed, the clarity that we can't own anything, we can't preserve anything, we can't really safeguard anything not really thank you and i'm and i'm curious linda when you said yeah you're welcome i'm curious that when you said that you catch yourself with restlessness and then you pull back from that and it helps what do you do exactly well, when I was when I was when I was referring to that, I was referring to just uh, the stimulation, and uh, that I um, that I um, well, for instance, um, I noticed that whenever I was on the computer, and I saw that there were new email messages, I checked them, and then of course, email messages often involve 
things people want or questions you need answered. And so for a while, I, I stopped that. And I, um, I set up a time to just look at emails and I, and the rest of the time I didn't, but lately I've been looking at the emails whenever again. And it just, it just adds, you know, this busyness to my life. Um, and, and then there's more things I have to think about. Um, uh, as far as meditation, one of the, I choose to meditate almost immediately after I get up and, and one of the reasons I do it is because I haven't looked at any media yet. <laughs> and so I'm much more likely to be settled. But every once in a while, I look at my phone for some reason. I don't know why. And sure enough, if depending, it can be a trigger. And then during that meditation, I'm thinking about whatever it was I looked at. Um, so it, it, it's, it's for me, I mean, that aspect of, of this restlessness issue is really about renunciation. And, and I mean, I, there's no question that I've noticed that when I pull back, I'm much more, um, uh, I'm much less restless and much more available when I do. Uh, the, the, Beautiful. yeah, yeah. And the second thing about worry, um, I'm not so good about pulling back from that. <laughs> Um, you know, I, you know, I get in, in my mind, it's kind of like solving problems. And I think I like that. I think part of it is I like doing that. You know, I like to solve problems. I get a lot of satisfaction out of it. Um, and, and yet I know I'm, I'm trying to solve all kinds of things that don't need to be solved. And, and yes, it is. It, it wastes a lot of time. So maybe I need to focus on that a little bit more. <laughs> And, and yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if I'll oh, go ahead. No, that, that's fine. I, I've said enough. I'm wondering if you can use the same method, like give yourself a period of time to worry. <laughs> no, like I'm only going to worry from two to three. <laughs> in the afternoon <laughs> something like that and the rest well, of the time when it comes up you know just like no it's not time for you <laughs> well I can certainly try it <laughs> let us know how it works out I, I would love to hear the report <laughs> I, I noticed there's a little resistance to it already, but uh, I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> My experience is Thank that when there's resistance, I have to make myself do it because <laughs> I know <laughs> that's a sure sign. <laughs> yeah, I may have to start with. I may have to start with a couple worry periods. I may not be able to go down to just one. <laughs> Good. Did you want to say something, James? No? Okay. Lynn, uh, Karen. 
actually just had a question um, about meditation and restlessness. I've been following your advice. I've been doing it for a while, actually, just trying to cut back on stimulus, less TV, less music, less books, less, you know, all that kind of stuff, less socializing as well. And, um, you know, my mindfulness practice is pretty well trying to do it all the time. And um, so I've been doing this for quite a while. And I sometimes I feel like the restlessness is getting worse, not better. But I'm wondering if it's just because I feel like I maybe I'm just becoming more sensitive of what's going on in my mind. Um, anyways, I, I wanted your comments on that, because that's kind of where I'm at, at in my practice, trying to slow down the life, make it calmer. And what I'm seeing in connection with doing with that is this level of uh, restlessness that I hadn't seen before. Yeah, I think, I think what you're saying is, is possible that you're noticing it. Oftentimes this happens when we slow down and we start to notice, then it seems like things are worse, but it's actually just that we're seeing it more clearly. However, I also think that you could try a couple of other things at this point. Now that you're seeing it more clearly, you know how detrimental it is. Um, you might want to, I don't know if you're, what your meditation object is. Are you generally using um, mindfulness of breathing? The breath, the breath yeah, and, and the body mm -hmm. too, quite a bit sometimes. If I'm feeling restless, I'll switch to the body and just feeling sensations, listening to sounds. If Sometimes that helps when I'm really restless, but mostly, yeah, the breath. Another thing you might try if you're not already doing it is more um, Brahma Vihara meditation. So see if really bringing in that, the, the different um, aspects, particularly metta, and seeing if developing more of a feeling of metta in the body um, and, and all around you could be a good way to start to calm the mind. And another possibility is look up that quote about this is peaceful, this is sublime, and that whole that whole section there. Um, in Anguttara Nikaya, what did I say? Three thirty-two. Thirty-two, maybe, on um, where Ananda is talking to the Buddha, and that quote comes up in various places. So really putting the attention on nibbana on this this complete peacefulness and sometimes just filling the mind with something like that with that can help the restlessness fall away so just those two possibilities give those a chance in addition to the benefits that come from reflecting on the body yeah Thank you, Karen. All right. I am um, very appreciative of everyone's practice and kind attention to, to these challenges in the practice. So I hope uh, all goes well this week and uh, next week, hopefully I'll be at, we'll be at the 
Meditation Center when we talk to you. We have great Wi-Fi. <laughs> and maybe some folks showing up in person. We'll see. Until then, take care. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.